Pastor Mai, good afternoon and welcome to this week's maiden edition of Perspective, your view of the world we live in on the Isle of Man of the 21st century. I'm Dolan Mercer, here with you until two o'clock, and this is my first foray into the world of relatively unscripted radio, so please do keep your fingers crossed for me. In 2010, the Isle of Man hit the headlines across the water after the words of a rock icon. Mick Jagger spoke to Larry King on American television about the potential legalisation of marijuana. Do you think Lenny Bruce once said it'll be legal someday because every law student I know smokes it. Yeah, Do you that think? never happened. No. Well, it's sort of half happened, hasn't it? In in uh, in Don't you know, it legal to grow. Do you think it should? Well, the whole question of legalizing drugs is fraught with with. I, I, I someone asked me this the other day, and I said, well, you know, the the. I don't know if I got into trouble because I don't think I think, but you know, usually you try these things out in very small places. You yeah. know, like. So you try this in, you know, like you try a new product out in a, in a small kind of society or an island somewhere. And in, in England, they always try out new mobile phones in the Isle of Man. So they, <laughs> they've got a captive society. So I said, you should try, you should try the legalization of all drugs on the Isle of Man and see what happens. You know? I don't know what would happen. Do you think it'll ever happen? Uh, ever. It might do, ever long time. Um, well, today on the Isle of Man, we could be set to break away from the current regulation of cannabis if it's what the people of the island want. I suspect Mr Jagger's intentions might not have been entirely in line with those of the people advocating legislative change today, but his words do show that this is not by any means a new idea. This Wednesday, the 6th of February 2019, two public consultations were launched. It's something of an unprecedented move on the island. The Department of Health and Social Care is effectively putting the sculpture of medical policy in the hands of the general public. But this is not a referendum. The public have the chance to submit their views on a prospective new framework for cannabis legislation on these shores. Joining me in the studio is Health and Social Care Minister David Ashford, MHK. We're also joined by Valerie Miller, owner and founder of a community cafe in Laxey named Mother Tees, who recently became the island's first registered independent supplier of cannabis-derived products. The timeline for this potential societal shift has been going on for some time, but within the last decade, it would seem that debate has intensified somewhat. Here are the views of some familiar voices first on the topic over the last few years. Nothing which I have said just now changes the fact that the possession and supply of <coughs> cannabis is a crime. However, I am clear that where there are clinically proven treatments that include cannabis or its derivatives as part of a medically effective treatment pathway, this should be supported through proper supervised and prescribed routes. I do not advocate individuals either growing cannabis privately for their own use or deciding <coughs> without proper medical advice or support that this is an appropriate treatment for their condition. The UK is about as backwards as you can be on cannabis policy. You know, the only countries that are more backwards than us are the sort of places like Singapore and Malaysia where they execute people for it. I think it's a fantastic opportunity for the Isle of Man. You know, obviously it needs to be carefully controlled and carefully managed, but it would, you know, it, it would boost the island's profile, a massive boost to income for, for, for the island, and it could all be properly managed, properly organised, and, and just be 
a win-win situation all around. I had a large number of uh, emails from people with various illnesses, ME, MS, cancer, who all have found uh, the use of cannabis as the only uh, mechanism to relieve the pain that they're suffering from. Now, who are we, if people believe that they can get benefit from, from this, who are we to, to deny them of, of that? I absolutely believe the other man should decriminalise cannabis for, for medicinal purposes. I just cannot see any argument against that, frankly. In the global sense of damage done to the individual, I don't see that cannabis is any worse than alcohol, for example. We've got to have a grown-up debate about it. That's what I've been arguing. Some people try, try to be um, helpful. I know when we sometimes somebody would be dispensed a product and they'd say, oh, I've given it to my friend because they had the same thing as me, so I've given it to them. Well, of course, that could have been totally a different uh, illness and it could be very dangerous. Now, if somebody here... If, if, if cannabis was to be legalised for, um, for, for medical uses, but it was then handed on to other people, it could, it could be very, very dangerous. And, and it could then also disappear into the community. I thought it was atrocious, really, because he hasn't got a problem. Not that we know of, not like what we have to go through. Of numerous different things every day. Anybody who's given the prescription would not just flaunt it. I mean, on any prescription, you wouldn't just give it away because you're throwing it back in the people's faces who have gone through such fight to get it legalised. Because the reality is my patients are coming in to see me saying, I've, I'm using this drug, it's really helping me, but I'm terrified of being arrested um, for possession of this drug. So people are using it at the moment illegally um, and I'd like to see that that uh, legality relaxed and that actually goes along with the chief constable's comments in his, in his um, recent report because there have been a lot of high profile cases recently with people being arrested and charged for um, possession of small amounts of cannabis and what the chief constable said is he, he wants to, to actually work with the attorney general to look at whether the existing cautioning and prosecution policies are still relevant so I think that there's a groundswell of opinion to try to change the law on this island. The moment medicinal cannabis can only be prescribed in certain set circumstances by high-level consultants. So one of the options on the table, and one I've always I've said publicly I personally favour before long before I was minister, was prescribing at GP level. And um, that's one of the options in the consultation. But we're not going to preempt anything. Let's see what the general public have to say. So joining us in the studio then, Valerie, Valerie Miller from Mother Tees. Uh, good afternoon, Valerie. Good afternoon. Um, I would like to speak to you first. You currently provide legal over-the-counter um, cannabis derivatives within the current legal framework. What exactly um, is available as at the minute? So at the moment, what we're seeing in the marketplace is CBD-based products. Now, although CBD is legal, THC is not, Where, but there is um, a standard of what I am led to believe is under 0.2% THC is legal. However, there is actually some confusion around that. So even with CBD, it's it's legal, but it's unclear. The market's unregulated. So there, there is still some movement to take um, ar around CBD. So everyone can be really, really clear on how to be compliant with the law and how to make sure the products that are, are on the market are safe and they're tested. So THC... Um, like CBD, they are both compounds of the cannabis genus. They both um, share the same um, molecular structure. They're both chemically very similar to your body's own endocannabinoids, which allows them to interact with your cannabinoid receptors. 
this interaction um, impacts the release of neurotransmitters in the brain. Neurotransmitters are the chemicals that are, are responsible for relaying messages between cells, which influences pain, uh, stress levels, immune function, sleep, uh, amongst other things. So as we can see, these compounds, THC and CBD, have a lot in common. Um, what I think the most important difference to, to point out is, because they, although they, they are very similar, um, they have a very different effect. So yeah, what I'd like to point out is that THC is responsible for creating the, the feeling that we call high or stoned. Um, it has a psychoactive effect. Uh, CBD does not have this effect. It's not psychoactive in the way that we know THC to be. But this is really the, the only difference that I think is worth pointing out at this time. And I think what they, what they share is, is more important. And both CBD and THC are considered to have medicinal value. However, at this time, we are blocked access from THC. Um, so they're, they're, they're both active ingredients in what we might consider as a cannabis product, one of which is well, simplistically, one of which is legal and one of which isn't. Yes. So um, I'd like to come to you now, Minister Ashford. Um, we have two consultations on the table for the public to give feedback to. What exactly are they uh, aiming to achieve? So the two consultations we've got, if we take the first one, is the medicinal cannabis. So what we're wanting to do is go out to the public and gain their views on should the regulations be changed. So at the moment, um, even with the change that happened in the UK in November, which was mirrored here in the island, you've still only got prescribing at a very, very high level, at high level consultants. And even then, it's only for very specified conditions. What we're wanting to know is, does the public believe that those regulations should be relaxed? So, for instance, there's various options in the consultation. There's the option where it may be prescribed at GP level. There's even the option where it may be free over the counter. And also there is an open um, text box option under, under the final part of the consultation that if other people think there's other frameworks they want to see, they can lay that out. The other consultation we've got ongoing is in terms of industrial hemp. So obviously we know from across Europe and across the world there is a large economic um, sector developing in terms of production of industrial hemp. At the moment here in the island, um, regu the regulations which is under the 1976 Misuse of Drugs Act have the Department of Health and Social Care as being able to issue licences. But the intriguing bit is that the licences can only be issued in line with the regulations. At the moment we don't have a set of regulations and as far as I'm aware there's never been one since the act in 1976 was brought in so we're consulting that if people wanted to see the production of industrial hemp on the island what framework what regulation would they like to see around that so just concentrating first on the um, consultation on the use of cannabis medicinally um, you mentioned at the minute that it can be prescribed in extreme circumstances or in very specialist circumstances um, can you tell us a bit about more about what those are and um, whether or not that sort of happened already on the island? So there's certain cases of multiple sclerosis and so on where it can be um, prescribed. A lot of the new regulations in the UK came in in the November after, of course, that very tragic case we all read about in the, in the newspapers about the young lad who couldn't get access to his treatment. That's what prompted it. So it's really around, around those sort of cases where prescribing can take place. But even then, 
from my personal point of view, there's a lot of barriers that consultants have to get over before they are able to prescribe. And I think it now is the right time to be having a consultation. I'd just like to say, actually, that the response we've had so far to the medicinal cannabis consultation has been absolutely fabulous. As of late Friday, there'd been 2,114 responses. Now, bearing in mind, I only launched the thing on Wednesday afternoon. That's quite phenomenal. Um, so it's going to be one of the biggest uh, consultations I think we've actually seen on the island. And I would urge everyone who wants to participate to go on online on gov.im backslash cannabis and take part in the consultation equally as of tomorrow there's going to be paper copies of the consultation available in libraries commissioners offices and also post offices as well so anyone who doesn't have online access isn't going to be excluded from this consultation i'm keen to speak um in a bit more about public engagement and about how people can Uh, voice their views just to move back a step there you mentioned a bit about um it being prescribable at sort of consultant level what's the consensus among consultants have you had um discussions with them to this point well as far as i'm aware there's there's not really been any prescribing because like i say from my personal point of view although the regulation's there it is still very prescriptive And I think at the moment the regulation's a bit unfair on the consultants because the hurdles they've got to get over, even if they actually believe it will make a difference, puts them in a very difficult position. And that's precisely why we're having this consultation. Um, You just just played a bit of the interview with me um, from me earlier on. I've never hidden my personal view. My personal view is I've always believed that prescribing should be at GP level. We employ medical professionals and we should be allowing and trusting them to make the judgment. But why why GPs? Why at GP level? I think GP level is the first point of call, really. What we're setting up with the current regulations is people having to go through hurdle after hurdle after hurdle to try and get access to this medication. We don't do it with any other form of medication. Why should we do it with this? And have you spoken to any GPs to garner some of their views i have um there are some that are very much in favor of it being prescribed at gp level precisely because of what i've just said they feel that there's a hurdle after hurdle one of my parliamentary colleagues of course is dr allenson who again you played a clip from um who's very much in favor of this um there's some gps i have spoken to that are not in favor of it um, they worry it will flood uh, if they'll have a flood of patients trying to get access and it will put them under pressure to prescribe But again, I think with any medication, that's the potential to happen. But I think the important thing is we gauge the views of the public. Um, You mentioned about it being the first time that the Department of Health has gone out in relation to um, a consultation on medicine. And that's very, very true. Normally we wouldn't. We don't go out and consult on other medicines. But I think that's because this is more than about medicine. It's a political decision as well. The, it's been a... but, it, but it's not a referendum. It's, it, that's the thing I wanted to emphasise. It's not a case of, you know, the most votes wins. Yeah. It's it's input, isn't it? Yeah, it most certainly isn't. It is a pure consultation. And I think sometimes that does get confused in the public mind um, to a certain extent. But the consultation process is just that. It's consultation. So it's not a Brexit referendum, should we say, um, where one side wins. And that's the decision that people should be going with. Um, I think... Um, I think what's important is that we get as much engagement as possible so we can see what people's views are. But like I say, it is a political decision, not just a medicinal decision. And the debate you said yourself 
has been going on for about a decade now, if not longer. And now is the time for the Isle of Man to stand up and decide, are we going to stick with things as they are, or are we going to change things? Now, to bring you back in, Valerie, at this point, um, there's been quite a lot of traction for this on social media, in particular one group um, discussing some views about the consultations. Can you tell us a bit about that first? Yes, so we had an evening with um, cannabis consultant Jeff Ditchfield last Tuesday evening or last Monday evening. Um, Maybe we had 20 people attend and it was a really informative evening, lots of great conversation. Um, Because of that, I set up the group the following morning purely just to invite the people who had attended the event the evening before so we could continue the, the conversations that we were having. Um, so that that was the reason that the group was set up was purely for the attendance of that event. Now, in a couple of days, I think we over 500 people and last night it hit a thousand people. There is um, a, a lot of active debate um, and a lot of uh, really interesting input from, from people. So because the group gained uh, such momentum, we decided to set up another event. So that will be happening tomorrow evening. Jeff Ditchfield is flying back this afternoon on the 420 flight from Liverpool. Um, so yeah, that will be going ahead again tomorrow and we're hoping for an even bigger turnout than, than last week um, since we've got a lot of uh, a lot of action happening in this group. Gen- Ma- generally speaking, is this made up of people who are pro-legislative reform? So it's, yeah, I mean, the, we, what we were inviting was a debate. So, you know, really hoping to get um a very broad discussion happening the pros and the cons and but what in fact is has happened i would say is it's certainly more um the voice of pro cannabis we put a few polls out there and i think it was all all positive you know all pro um now I've been trying to think think of ways to encourage people to have their a, a voice if they have an alternative belief because I think it can be quite daunting um, if if the general public have one view and and you don't share that view it can be quite daunting to share it and I feel like and it's, it's it's a taboo topic isn't it or, it, or certainly it, has it been it is but what what I um. I'm slightly afraid of at this stage is that we're in danger of swapping one extreme belief system about cannabis for another and what I'm experiencing is we've gone from a place where the two, where you couldn't safely say anything that was uh, pro-cannabis for fear of demonization or, or criminalization um, and we had these very extreme belief systems that you know, cannabis had no medicinal value, that cannabis was evil, that cannabis will cause harm. And now it it seems like we are in danger of almost jumping to the other side of extreme belief systems where cannabis is a cure-all, everyone should take cannabis, cannabis is completely safe. So I think it's it's really, really important that we have a, a balanced view on not only this plant, but everything, you know, extreme belief systems aren't healthy uh, not a healthy way to to approach things so I, I did see last night somebody had spoke up and shared an experience um, and it was a personal experience where they'd had a negative experience with cannabis that um, took them many years to feel like they they recovered from so I think that's that's healthy to have these voices heard as well now it doesn't mean that we should 
stop talking about cannabis and say cannabis is dangerous and no one should ever use it but we should we should certainly be looking at this whole spectrum and you know like all medications it do, there is a risk and that's why it is integral that we bring about more education and more regulation and allow people access to uh, safe medication just to bring you back in minister ashford um medical backgrounds and opinion on this are are mixed would it be fair to say very much so and that's another reason for going out for consultation you can find lots of reports that say exactly what Valerie's just said that medicinal cannabis can be a cure for everything you equally can find reports that say actually it didn't have much effect or it had a detrimental effect so there is the wide range out there and that's why like I say it's not just a medicinal decision it's also a political decision and just following on from what Valerie was saying there I think it is very important that we do have a calm and measured debate and that we don't get into um, deciding that people who don't share the same views as us are wrong and they're fundamentally wrong that's the way US politics is going at the moment where the two sides just believe the other side is fundamentally wrong and I think one of the great things about here in the Isle of Man is that we've always respected different opinions even during the abortion uh, debate where you know there, there was quite a lot of vocal opinions I think there was respect for the different positions the nation station Welcome back to Perspective on Manx Radio. We're joined by Valerie Miller from Mother Tees in Ramsey and the Minister for Health and Social Care, David Ashford. Minister, uh, my next question, really, I want to ask you about the potential legislative frameworks discussed in these consultations. Um, What exactly is on the table? So, for instance, one of the models talked about is the Australian model. Now, the Australian model, to put it in its simplistic terms, is where the cannabis treatment isn't the first step. So it's not the first port of call for a doctor to prescribe. The Australian model um, is based on what they call their do-no-harm model where they basically turn around and say that cannabis um, cannabis treatment should only be prescribed after all of the treatments have been tried. Um, so it's actually removing the judgment away potentially from the medical professional and saying that all of the things should be tried beforehand. The Another model that's on the table is the Dutch model, which again, in putting it in simplistic terms, basically leaves the decision to the GPs and to the doctors on the ground to make their judgment call. Their health system, of course, is very different to ours. So they they have a health insurance system for people. And one of the things that is within that system is it's up to insurance companies individually whether they'll reimburse the person for cannabis treatment. So some do, some don't. But But the medical decision making in the Dutch model rests with the doctors on the ground, whereas in Australia, it's basically last resort. So you're referring to question seven on the consultation, which asks which approach to medicinal cannabis would you support for the Isle of Man? You've mentioned the framework in Australia and in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, three other options. One that we remain fully in line with the UK. Which is which what is it is now. What it is now. Um, and then there's another option to offer quality assured medicinal cannabis products direct to the public for self-medication through accredited dispensaries. Presumably that would be the the most sort of significant shift it would i mean that would be effectively saying that medicinal cannabis was available over the counter in your local pharmacy 
However, people do also have the option to say, I do not support the introduction of medicinal cannabis in any form. Yeah. So would that actually be a, a tightening of, of regulations, perhaps? Well, I, I think, I you know, I, I think it, it could be. I mean, it could be viewed that way. Um, it could also um, it could also suggest that longer term people want the regulations rolled back a bit. But equally, I think what's important on the consultation is we're not just limiting people to those five options. Because if you look at Section 8, which follows, there's the free flow box where we ask if people have other frameworks. So, for instance, um, one that Mr. Ditchfield is coming back over to the island, which he advocates is the Jamaican model. Um, I haven't looked fully into the Jamaican model, but I, it, there is a free flow box there that if people want to look at other frameworks around the world and say actually we think you should be going down this route there's the opportunity for them to do so so we're not just prescribing those five options there is the ability to put a sixth in if you want valerie i'm interested to hear um well have you taken part in the consultation first i have although i don't really feel it's my area of knowledge to to have a strong opinion on which way we should go um the i feel really what i know is the stories of the people who come to visit the shop, the people who are trying to access this medicine or are accessing this medicine currently, but doing so at great risk. And to echo what, what Dr. Allenson said at the beginning of the show is that there are many people who are sourcing a medicine that they don't actually know what strength it is. They don't know whether it's safe. They are anxious and frightened that they could face prosecution. And then on the other hand, you have people who are desperately trying to source it, but they, they can't. You know, they're saying they're leaving the shop saying, oh, well, I'll I'll speak to my son at uni to see if he knows anyone or oh, I'll speak to my old friend, my old biker mates. So this is the kind of uh, conversations that I'm having with people. And it's it's heartbreaking to see people who are, you know, in our communities who are terminally ill, who have run out of treatment options and they are desperately trying to source this medicine that they can see all over the mainstream um, is, is now be, being able to be accessed in, in countries like America, in, in certain states and in Canada. And obviously no one knows whether this is going to help them or not. But when you're facing death and there is an option, you want that choice. But it's, it's not being sold as a medicinal product. It's a food supplement, right, as things stand. CBD is being sold as, as a food supplement. Yeah, there's lots of restrictions um, that I, I'm having to learn as I go along. Um, I, I was saying to David earlier that, you know, if people ask me questions, I feel tied up in what I, what am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? You're, 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 you're obviously not um, from a medical background or from a pharmaceutical background. So it's, exactly. it's based upon effectively what, what customers have said to you or... Yes, and my own personal experiences and my own, own personal research. But um, where, yeah, where we're at with CBD is legally it is only only really supposed to be sold as a food supplement. But that's just not the case because people are having conversations about this left, right and centre. So it's really it's really difficult to know how to be compliant with the law at this time. Um, and even when it comes to the more clearly illegal substances like THC, because things, because this is all being spoken about and things do seem to be looser and people aren't looking at sourcing uh, medicinal cannabis oil for somebody with a terminal illness, we're not looking that at, 
at that as a crime anymore. So people are more willing to take those risks. And I, I do think it's born out of, out of desperation, to be honest. I think where, where other treatments have either failed or they're not able to be administered for one reason or another. Uh, one, one lady who I spoke to, it was due to an, an infection that they, they weren't able to offer chemo or any other treatment. She came in, into my shop directly from this hospital appointment. She was in a, a state of trauma. Um, she she looked very, very unwell. And she was essentially asking me if I could get her THC oil, to which I had to respond, no, it's illegal. It's not something I can do. Um, so p- people, are, people are effectively self-medicating. How far do we know what what are in these products i suppose i mean maybe i I differentiate there between cbd oil and if people are purchasing things uh, with thc online how Mm -hmm. how far do we know like what what's in them what's it's not regulated is it no we just don't know and you know we could go back to the event that we had last week where we we met a young girl who has been given a diagnosis she's been given five years to live she um has again been on the black market desperately trying to to seek this medicine um after many failed attempts she did manage to to source something and but she she had she couldn't answer any of the questions as to what strength it was how how it was made how was it extracted and this is the 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 best option people have at this moment is to take the massive risks that come with sourcing powerful drugs on the black market in an unregulated unregulated market and minister just to bring you in um so this is a a political debate it's a medical debate but it's also got a human emotional side to it as well in when you hear you know first first person stories really very much so and obviously i've had people approach me um not just when i since i've been minister for the last 13 months but also when i was a backbencher as well and a lot of the stories that you hear are heartbreaking in relation to people who are desperate to try and access these products, um, some who have already been in other countries and access these products and says that they do have an effect in their particular conditions. But obviously with being back in the island, they can't via the UK or via the Isle of Man get access. Um, I think one of the things that you touched on there is when you're buying off the internet, you don't necessarily know what you're exactly buying. And I think one of the things that obviously as part of this consultation, if we do go down the route of prescribing, and I say it's an if because it's an open consultation, the decision's yet to be made. But of course, that does introduce regulation in that sense, because at least people will know that what they're being prescribed, as with all medication that's prescribed, they never never say whether something's 100% safe, but it's as safe as it possibly can be. That's one of the arguments for changes uh, to the legislation is that you can get this regulation of the product. What are the kind of key arguments against? We heard about, for example, um, kind of, I don't know, black market trading, if that's the right terminology. I I mean, uh, we did hear about black market trading. Personally, I I don't think you will have that as much as people think. 
if people are going to the doctors for prescription and a doctor is awarding a prescription, I mean, again, I think we need to trust our medical professionals that they are prescribing appropriately to patients with conditions. Now, if people are actually then going and selling it on, they're putting themselves at detriment because they need it themselves for that condition. And it's not a case of you roll up at a doctor's and, you know, even in relation to opioids, which can be prescribed, a doctor won't suddenly say, oh, yes, there's 100 tablets. You know, it's done. It's you know, there's common sense applied to it, and I think this would be the same. I know there are some people that worry that the medicinal cannabis, um, and arguments I've heard against, will then lead to general decriminalisation or legalisation, and people are against uh, from people who are against that, and that's one of the reasons we've deliberately split this consultation off. So the consultation is not around decriminalisation or legalisation because we didn't want to confuse the two issues. I think they're two very separate arguments and eventually there will be a consultation in terms of decriminalisation. Um, but that's to follow because I think it's important we go on other views on medicinal cannabis first and do things one step at a time. And this is a discussion over cannabis for medicinal purposes and not for recreational purposes, which yes, of course is and a whole different argument again, isn't it? It is, and it's very important to emphasise that there will be, like I say, a consultation in terms of decriminalisation coming potentially later in the year. Um, but we've deliberately not tried to muddy the waters by combining everything up together. That's why even with the industrial hemp side, we've done it as two separate consultations rather than combining them up. I think it's very important from a public perspective that we don't start confusing issues. Let's move on to that second consultation then about uh, the cultivation of, of hemp. Now, online on social media, we've seen people come forward and say, I, I have the you know the the facilities i have the the know-how i have the equipment to start cultivating tomorrow valerie have you have you seen these same posts yes absolutely and you know working closely with with pippa and bob from from the manx hemp campaign uh, i've learned a lot about about that world and because it's not my world but working closely side by side with these people and there there are uh, seemingly many people who are ready to roll um, and Minister Ashford, um, is this something that you've um, become aware of as well? Yes, I mean, I've been approached by um, four different individuals who have actually said that they're able to able to start, basically, if they can get a licence. As I say, the way it's governed at the moment is under the Misuse of Drugs Act 1976. Licences are at the behest of the Department of Health and Social Care, but licences can only be issued in line with the regulations. At the moment, we don't have those regulations to be able to issue licences, so that's why we're going out to public consultation to see if it's something the public would want or if it's something they don't want touched. And what, what factors are, are at play here? Because there's some quite big sort of economic discussions about this it's it's potentially um employment for people it's a it's a, a sector which could be mobilized potentially yes i mean uh, i mean it is i mean as i said i think at the very start of this program it is a growing industry worldwide there's over 30 countries now um, that produce um, industrial hemp and have different regulatory frameworks around the world that we can look at they're in the UK, of course, they produce industrial hemp. They have the regulatory framework in place there. We may decide to move the UK. We may decide to do something completely and utterly different and do it, you know, manxify it. That's um, brilliant. 
Um, so, so you know, I'm not always. I'm one of those politicians who's not always in favour of just following the UK example. I think we have to do what's right for the island, and sometimes things can be very different here. Um, but it's about ensuring that if we do go down this route and there is a public demand for it, that we have the right regulatory framework in place for it. With respect to um, investors, people who, you know, business people who may be looking to, um, I suppose, take advantage of any potential changes to legislation, have you had any contact with anybody from that point of view? Well, like I say, there's, there's four individuals who've approached me who've turned around and said that they're interested. Two of them, two of those four would be effectively start-up organisations um, and the other two um, are basically what we would term sort of middle organisations. Um, despite myths that are going around, I've not been or heard of any approach from any big pharmaceutical giants who've said we want to come into the Isle of Man. I know there's been a few of those going around on social media. Um, I want to squash that now. I've certainly not met with any of those. So, so we're talking about, we're talking about Isle so you've got you've got a couple that are island based there's a couple that are based in the uk but all but again a small organizations looking to expand the nation station radio. welcome back to perspective on manx radio now we've spoken quite a bit about the input of gps into this discussion um, and one of the voices we heard in the montage earlier was Dr. Alex Allenson, a former GP, of course, and now MHK for Ramsey. He's been one of the politicians looking to open up the debate on this topic. And Dr. Allenson spoke to Ed Alden prior to the launch of these consultations. I've been told by various departments that we will have a public consultation in February, so in a couple of weeks' time. And the consultation really goes on the back of a drug and alcohol strategy, looking at the use of, of cannabis both for medicinal purposes and also perhaps recreational use and how those laws are then enforced. There's been big changes in the UK and I know that the UK government's doing their own public consultation on medicinal cannabis and the whole um, landscape is moving because in America where obviously you've had multiple states legalising cannabis, you've now got far more observational studies, far more research being done into its use, both recreational but also for medicinal reasons and um, I certainly think this is something that, that on the Isle of Man with our health service, with our stable population, we could really benefit from. You asked a question about this recently, didn't you, about the status for medicinal purposes of the drug in the Isle of Man. What were you told about that? Well, the, you, you're quite right. There's been some pressure groups in the UK, particularly around certain conditions. Um, the, the, the famous one was childhood epilepsy, where you do have some very, very um, rare uh, syndromes whereby cannabis products certainly seem to be helping and we know that one of the big pharmaceutical companies is developing a cannabis product specifically for this. In the UK, Savage Javids, the Home Secretary changed some of their regulations to allow specialists to prescribe cannabis products for certain conditions when nothing else had worked. And my question in Timwald was whether those changes in regulations in the UK applied to patients on the Isle of Man. And the answer was they do. So at the moment, those specialists who we get coming across in the UK, for instance, neurology um, and also some of the other other specialists, can actually legally prescribe cannabis now um, for patients on the Isle of Man. The, the, The problem is obviously with the supply because we, we don't have a ready supply of cannabis products. And one of the things that I really hope will come out of the consultation is whilst we can use it for medicinal purposes, we can also actually start a homegrown industry using best evidence, using the best new techniques to actually grow it here for our own people and perhaps for export. 
there have been stories about problems with access in the UK, though, haven't there? It's still very, very restricted, seemingly. A small number or relatively small number of specialists are able to do so. So it doesn't seem quite as available, maybe, as it, as it could be. I, I think you're quite right. The, the, the British government have taken an extremely cautious um, viewpoint on medicinal cannabis. They're very scared about diversion, about it being misused. When you actually look at the evidence from other jurisdictions, though, you've got places in Europe, for instance, the Netherlands and Germany, moving far more rapidly towards medicinal use of cannabis for a range of indications. You've got multiple American states um, relaxing their laws as well. And the risk of diversion, particularly into young people, is remarkably low. The risk of, of, of people using drugs and then getting involved in road traffic accidents is remarkably low and doesn't seem to be increasing. But what some of these studies have shown is actually the harm reduction that people who at the moment might be taking strong painkillers, opiates for instance, are in fact using medicinal cannabis. So in America they've seen a reduction in deaths due to overdose in those states that have actually freed up their legislation to allow recreational and medicinal use. And so I think particularly on the Isle of Man with our um, good governance here we can look at changing our laws, look at using different regulation to provide medicinal cannabis within a well-structured legal framework which would actually protect people from these Fears. That was Dr. Alex Allenson, MHK, there speaking with Ed Oldham. Um, so he's a, a former GP and a former president of the Isle of Man Medical Association. Now, Minister Ashford, how how valued is Dr. Allenson's input, I suppose, in this discussion? Well, Alex's views are always valued. Um, I value him as a political colleague and I value his views as a GP as well. I think it is important that GPs speak up on either side of the debate, not just those that are in favour, but also those that potentially are against. I think it's important that those medical views and not just at GP level, but consultant level as well are heard. So do his do his views carry more weight than perhaps his political colleagues, do you feel? Um, I don't know about more weight because obviously at the end of the day it will be Timbal that decides what, what route we go down. But I think, you know, he's had experience at the front end. He's seen the patients coming through the doors, as he said in the original clip he played at the start of the programme. And so he's formed his views from what he's seen on the ground. And so I think it is important that those views are expressed and out there in the public domain. To play devil's advocate a bit, um, is this a decision that should be made in political spheres or is it one which should be made by maybe a committee of doctors or, or from a you know, from medical background? Well, ultimately, even if you had a committee of doctors, it's still going to be a political decision because any regulation or legislation required has to be approved by Tim Ward. Um, so there'd be no point having a committee of doctors that might decide one thing and then Tim Ward refuses to approve the regulation or legislation. I, I think th I said earlier on in the programme, I think it's more than just a medical decision, this. Um, it is to do with politics as well because there is mixed medical evidence out there. Um, NICE is obviously undertaking a review at the moment, which I think is due to report in October this year, that may give some more clarity. Um, but at the moment, it's a very mixed picture. And I think ultimately, whatever we do going forward, it's going to be the politicians that decide yay or nay. So it is a political decision. On Wednesday, at the launch of these two consultations, we heard from some other MHKs about their views, their input. Um, how much discussion have you had with colleagues up to now? 
Well, I mean, I, this has been an ongoing discussion for a long, long time. This isn't something that suddenly crept up um, and surprised everyone. The public debate for this, as I said earlier, has been going on more than 10 years. And the political debate has really hotted up since the start of this administration, when this administration came in in September 2016. So I don't think anyone's going to be absolutely stunned and shocked that this consultation has now gone out. Um, I would say to all my political colleagues, regardless of their views, engage with it. And, uh, you know, be honest with your views and together we can work forward on something. We mentioned, though, that certainly in the past this has been quite a taboo topic. Um, Is it foreseeable that some political members might sort of be less forthcoming with their views? No, I think all my colleagues are quite forthcoming with their views. Um, I wouldn't say we exactly have a very shy Timwald. I think, you know, the abortion debate again showed that. There were members of Timwald who were against the reform of abortion. And I think, you know, it was important that they were allowed to air their views just as those of us who were in favour. And I think they did so and it was all credit to them.